much love. Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. It's episode five, season four, Ravage Love. <laughs> I couldn't do any more than that. Ooh, it is Ooh. Irish week here on Ravage Love. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Good luck on the Irish. <laughs> Oh, God. want to issue the disclaimer that my family, I am of Irish ancestry. My uh, grandmother is a Maguire. We are part of the Maguire clan. We are like, we have like a tartan and everything. So it's not offensive. Also, I'm a blonde white lady who is so pale that before Fenty Beauty came on the scene, I had to use white eyeshadow as concealer. Julie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm allergic to the sun. Pepper gives me heartburn. I can't emphasize enough how not offensive this is. These are my own wow. people. <sighs> yeah, I did one of those like um, ancestry dna tests and 100 percent that bitch like, is that what you found out oh yeah mm-hmm. it was like ireland england and then like scandinavia <laughs> and then just france so yeah i mean like we're so hardcore that my irish protestant grandmother when she married my french catholic grandfather <laughs> it was le scandale Scandal, so yeah, yeah. so i can put on a tick tick shitty irish accent and I, no one can tell me shit about it i you know i can't roll my r's um because my tongue is real thick lady um <laughs> i've had dentists comment on it they're like are you sick <laughs> and, uh, just, i can't do it um which makes me a shitty French person. Yeah, um, you gotta be karach, arach, barach. Yeah, you gotta be rolling those R's. Je m'appelle René. But um, so I am unabashedly doing an accent today um, for the entire thing, not just Ooh. when they talk. Oh. Um, but it's probably just gonna sound like my newfie stepmom. So just make your peace with that. <laughs> Our Irish listenership, don't don't leave for this. Okay, yeah. just appreciate the effort i didn't watch any videos to prepare for this i read the whole thing with an accent in my mind on the toilet so oh my god we're gonna we're gonna do our best today well the best of the worst is what i've got for you julie well we'll (laughs) i'll start us off on the right foot because i read a legitimate book by a legitimate author whose work i legitimately love (laughs) (laughs) okay all right so I read Talk Sweetly to Me by oh. Courtney Milan. Ah, our boo. I fucking love Courtney Milan. <laughs> so Courtney Milan is a best-selling author of historical and contemporary romance. We've I've read a few of her books on the show already. Big fan. She's very funny on Twitter, which also, I mean, that always endears me to someone. Um, and she is known outside the romance world for the fact that she has been very critical of the whiteness of the romance authors of america association the lack of diversity not just within authors and authors that are promoted but within the stories so making sure to have uh, more diversity in characters and she also 
was sexually harassed by a Supreme Court judge in the US and came forward in the context of Me Too. So she's very political, very feminist. She's also a bisexual woman uh, and has a lot of, yeah, a lot of queer characters. Um, she's also a woman of color, so racialized characters. And her stuff is just so good. I love her books mm. so much because they're so beautiful and so romantic. So if that's the vibe you want, but it doesn't feel hokey or cheesy. The characters are complicated, they're complex, they're super feminist. There's always, especially the historical ones, there's always like some really great commentary about what's going on in the times at that time for both women and people of color, queer folks. So I read Talk Sweetly to Me, which is the last book, so it's the coda to the Brothers Sinister series. And I've read a few books in that series, I mean, one of them's called The Suffragette Scandal. Like, her shit's just so fucking good. Um, so this is the last book in that series. It was written in 2014, and it is a novella. So it was about 160 pages or so. So let me paint you a, paint you a picture. We're in Greenwich, okay. November 1882. And Miss Rose Sweetly is a shy, nerdy, literal glasses-wearing, math-minded big fan of astronomy, astronomy, uh, big fan of astronomy. And she is the daughter of a local shop owner. And she has had a natural aptitude for math since birth. When she was a kid, she would like almost be a bit of a spectacle. Her grandfather would like take her into stores and have this like party trick where she could tell the distance between two things just by looking at it, the weight of something just by looking at it. As I've mentioned before on the show, I have dyscalculia, which is the dyslexia of numbers. So anything math related, I'm already impressed. Like, I'm just saying that right now. <laughs> like, if you're good at math, I'm just like, oh, so they get a genius. You could be an absolute himbo. And I would be like, give this motherfucker a Nobel Prize. So I'm already impressed with Miss Wheatley. And she, her dream is really to just be wallpaper, who is kind of left alone to her own devices so that she can study the stars and live her life and not be put on display as this like freak who's like a genius. And also, uh, you know, she's a black woman in 1882 in the UK. So she just wants to be left like the, the hell alone. Opposite, it's like the opposite of Madame Cleo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she's like the Matt Damon of her time in Goodwill Hunting, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> so... She is currently living with her sister who is pregnant and her husband is off doing military things. So she's like, I'm not leaving you alone here while your husband is gone. I will stay here with you until he comes back or until the baby comes and I'll take care of you and I'll keep working at the shop. And she's just like living her life, having a time. And then Mr. Stephen Shaughnessy moves in down the street. Now, Mr. Stephen Shaughnessy... What's important to know is he is known for his bad reputation, in particular for being a big old whore, and yes. in particular being a provocateur in his writing and his columns, aka he is a feminist man who says sassy feminist things and people are either shocked because it's feminist or in awe because he's a man saying them. And he's very good looking. He has a lot of luck with the ladies. And so she can't help but have a crush on this dude. He's a smoke show. But she is kind of embarrassed because she's like, I'm a fucking cliche. Like, everybody wants to fuck Stephen O'Shaughnessy. I should be above this. Like, but goddamn, he's real pretty to look at. So 
He is a poet and a columnist and an author and kind of a single, single bachelor man. And she doesn't think this guy would ever see anything in her anyways. And what would they ever have in common? But he loves how smart she is. He loves chatting with her. And unlike everyone else, doesn't interrupt her when she goes on kind of these passionate rants about things. He's just truly in awe of her brilliance. And I mean, obviously I'm like, okay, well, obviously we're going to fuck Stephen O'Shaughnessy. Let's just get to it. But of course we got to slow build that baby. So he decides that his next book is going to be about astronomy. He's going to include something about the stars and he's not sure if it's going to be fiction or nonfiction. And so she decides, or he decides, okay, I'm going to find an expert in town and work with them. So he goes to this expert and is like, hey, I'm trying to learn things about astronomy. And he's this big fancy author. He's like, oh my goodness, absolutely happy to help you, but I'm very busy. Um, I could assign you one of my computers. Now remember, 1882, computers were people (laughs) who computed and analyzed data. And who was his computer? Ms. Rose Sweetly. And then you find out that Stephen Shaughnessy's whole plan was to learn a bunch of things about the stars to woo ms sweetly but then he's like fuck let's cut out the middleman she could be my tutor perfect i will use this as an opportunity to get closer to this woman and he says okay i'll let you work with ms sweetly if there's a chaperone because she's a young single woman and you have a reputation and so in order to make sure nothing happens and frankly in order to protect her from the rumor mill we're gonna have this old biddy sit in on your lessons well old biddy literally falls asleep half the time she's so fucking deaf she can't hear anything so he's like perfect and he starts laying on the moves but is super respectful and that's what throws rose is that he's flirty and he makes a ton of like double entendres and like there's a whole bunch of like classic courtney milan where like there's incredible witty banter and he's like using all of these like he's like oh you're sliding ruler and like making all these references <laughs> but also actually listening to her and like parrots back what she said and he's like oh he's like, actually is paying attention he is learning he does actually seem genuinely curious about this um and so they flirt 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 as these things happen then the lessons are up they're on their last lesson and he's like oh i have a surprise for you and he hands her a ticket And it's a ticket to an exclusive viewing of the transit of Venus. So the transit of Venus is happening, but there's, and they live in Greenwich and there's like one particular high point where you can see it the best. And she assumed she wouldn't get access to that space. And he's like, I got you. And she's like, Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Like, is there, do you want something in exchange for this? Like, are you, is this like, are you propositioning me? And he's like, no, I just want you to do like you, you're so passionate about this. I've got connections, so why not put them together? So she goes to the address, realizes this thing is so exclusive, there's nobody there, and it's a church with a turret. And he says, yeah, we're going to go up to the turret. And she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, you know, I wasn't going to miss it either. You got me all excited about the transit of Venus. I wanted to check it out. She's like, well, I'm not going up into this turret alone with you. Are you kidding? And he's like, okay, here's the key. And she's kind of taken aback because she totally thought he was going to coerce her because that's what men do. And he's like, no, no, here's the key. Just go. I don't want you to miss it. It's going to be in 12 minutes. Don't miss it. Rush. So she goes all the way up there, makes it almost all the way up and realizes, yeah, I don't want to watch this without him. So she goes downstairs, grabs him and he's like, you're going to miss it. And she's like, no, 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 let's go. So they run up to the top 
Oh my god, it's so fucking sweet, Renee. They run up to the top of the turret, and then she realizes there's a telescope that he's situated, and she's like, what is going on? And he's like, look, I'm an Irish Catholic. I just moved here. I started going to church. And she's like, you go to church? And he's like, I go to confession, girl. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, and I told the priest about how I have this crush on this woman who cares a lot about astronomy. And so he uh, gave me keys to the church so we could go up to the turret. And then I got us a telescope so we can watch it. And she is obviously just wooed to shit and trying to fight it, but can't. So then they make out and he finger bangs her through her clothes and it's quite hot. And she's just like, oh my. And then he makes <laughs> part of the reason why she was so excited to see the transit of Venus is that the next time it was going to happen was not until 2004. So she, really, truly a once in a lifetime opportunity. So he makes a comment after she's like came <laughs> and he got nothing to be clear. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, is he's like, wow, I hope I don't have to wait until 2004 to sneak you away again. And then it kind of snaps her out of it. And she's all flustered and like, well, why would you say that? And he was like, oh, it's just, I was just joking. Like, I like spending time with you. And she was just like, this can't work. And she leaves and he's all like, fuck. Okay. And then the next day he comes up to her and says, look, I love you. I love you. And when I was talking about the confessions I make to my priests, they're not about other women. They're about you and how much I care about you and how much I want to be with you. And she's like, I'm a black woman and a shopkeeper's daughter. You are a white man and a very famous poet and writer, like, and a columnist. Like, we can't be together. And he was like, yes, we can. And she's like, you want black Irish Catholic kids in 1882? (laughs) The fuck is wrong with you? And he's like, well, I guess I hadn't thought about that part. And she's like, well, I have to think about that. And I was like, yes, girl. So he's like, okay, fine. And leaves her alone. And again, she's shocked because she's so used to men just being like really pushy. So she comes home and she's all in her feelings. And her sister's like, fuck, I'm in labor. And there's this whole subplot in the book that I found so powerful about her sister being pregnant. And every time she has any kind of concern, she goes to the doctor. And the doctor is this old white man who's super fucking dismissive. And Rose keeps trying to tell herself that he's just dismissive because she's a young first-time mother. But then when her sister goes into labor and she runs, she gets someone to go run to the doctor. The doctor says, like, basically, I think your sister's being dramatic. She's only at 37 weeks. She shouldn't be in labor already. I know how you women are. I've done work in the West Indies. You can handle anything. AKA, he's racist as Mm -hmm. shit and is saying all the things that we know are still happening with black women in terms of maternal care. So she's in a panic because she's like, I don't know what to do. And her sister's clearly not just in labor. Turns out it's a breached baby. So she's like, oh, "Oh, shit, my sister's going to die. The baby's going to die. What do I do? She's like, fuck it. I'm just going to go see Steven. So she runs to Steven and she's like, I don't know if you can help. And he's like, I've never been at a birth before of a person, but I grew up on a farm. So like I've delivered calves and shit. I can try. So he just like throws on his slippers, runs to the house. Helps deliver her fucking sister's baby, breached baby. And he's like making jokes to her the whole time to like make her feel better. So sweet. And then when it's done, they're all like delighted. Okay, the baby's healthy, whatever. The white doctor comes and is like, oh, I was told I had, you know, to come check in. And she's like, you're too fucking late. I already gave birth to the baby. And he's like, see, you people can give birth in a field if you want to. She fucking punches him in the face. Nice. She's like, that's for my sister. And then she punches him in the gut and she's like, that's for me. 
And then Steven comes around the corner and he's like, yeah, get the fuck out. And they kick this doctor <laughs> out. And then she's all high on adrenaline and she's like, let's go back to your house. And he's like, uh, well, it's broad daylight. That's kind of why I've been hanging out because I didn't want to leave your house in broad daylight and just my slippers in case the rumor mill goes. And she's like, fuck the rumor mill. So they go back nice. to his house and they bang it out. And it's no. super fucking hot, super fucking consensual, unlike so many of the books we've read where, like, the person's a virgin and it's, like, cringe arama. No. Super hot, super consensual. And because he's, like, we're gonna... He says, like, oh, so we're getting married then? And she's, like, yeah. She's, like, in four months. And he's, like, why that long? And she's, like, well... If it's too soon, then people are going to start asking questions. But if it's too long, then I, I can't I can't be without you that long. And he's like, okay, well, I guess we're going to be careful for four months. And then pulls out a French letter, a.k.a. a condom. Ooh-hoo-hoo. Why? Because he's a feminist man in 1882. That's why. Fuck yeah, And they bang it out. And then because her parents <clears throat> heard that her sister gave birth, her parents come to town. And they're all aghast that she's engaged to this white man who's known for being you know, a philanderer basically. But she's like, we love each other. And they're like, well, why is your engagement so short? And then Steven has the best answer of all time, which is like, well, she just, you know, gave birth to a baby. So obviously Rose can't live here because the husband's coming home and she can't impose on them. And do you want Rose to not continue her incredible work as the brilliant mathematician that she is? If she goes and lives with you, it means she has to move to London and then she can't work and the world can't benefit from her gifts. And her parents are like, you're good. And he's like, I know. The end! Okay, as a St. Patrick's Day miracle, I need all men who think they're good men to just read some Christina Milan and then just like hit us up because these men don't exist and these men are beautiful first of all i love that you said christina milan because when we were growing up there was a singer called christina milan incredible so it's courtney milan <laughs> well courtney my bad no a hundred percent and you're a thousand percent correct like honestly renee after reading this book which is like my fourth or fifth courtney milan book i just kept thinking this is it like men have so there's so many cliches about why women read romance and that feminist romance is or just romance as a whole is just like making sweet sweet love under a cherry tree or some shit and like yeah there's a lot of that but this is what women mean is like it could be filthy like some of Courtney Milan's books are fucking filthy I mean this dude finger banged her in a fucking church turret you know what I'm saying like (laughs) but he listened to her when she talked and like he seduced her by taking an interest in what she was interested in and like let her have a voice and like heard her out and like that's what we that's that's it dudes like it's there's no it's not that fucking hard and that's what i love so much about good romance is that i feel like you know going back to like the bromance book club right like that book series about how these men learn to be better partners by reading romance and i'm like yeah because like if you read this you wouldn't necessarily learn like some like hot sex trick but you would learn that like when women are like, I don't know, then fucking listen to their I don't know. And like when women are talking about things that they're passionate about, listen, you know, whether it's math or yeah. like tattooing or fucking feminist causes, like whatever it is, just listen to her when she talks to you and take an interest mm-hmm. in her as a person. Oh, it's that easy. It's not that fucking hard. Like seriously. So in terms of spice, very spicy. Courtney Milan's books are always spicy and I love it so much. So I'm giving it five out of five Irish coffees. 
Okay. And in terms of the sex toy to accompany with it, I'm going to go in a bit of a different direction, and I'm going to give this book one subscription to Dipsy. Do you know Dipsy? I don't. Okay, so Dipsy, D-I-P-S-E-A, is an app, it's a subscription app, where you can hear erotica, like audiobooks of erotica. And really? pe- yes, and people read you sexy stories and act out sexy stories. So if audio erotica is your jam, then check out Dipsy. And this is where Dipsy should sponsor us because <laughs> I'm right? plugging them for free. But that is what I pictured in this particular relationship because he's a poet who is really like quite charming and suave. And so I picture him doing a lot of dirty talking and her being very into it so that's what i assigned to this book i just assume poets are filthy in bed especially like verbally (laughs) i don't know i've never fucked a poet but i haven't either but you know how i feel about a certain male poet Uh um yeah yeah and i feel like my nemesis and i feel like um one, I hope he listens to my show and he can hear me dragging him because he's the worst. Um, but also, like, I do not think that he is good in bed. A beast I in the refuse back. to believe. That's fair. That he. That's, yeah. I mean, so I'm not. Let's not generalize. Like, I'm. I was a poet for a time, Julie, and I am not good in bed. That so. I mean, I highly doubt that. I highly doubt that. Wouldn't Thank know, you. but you give Thank off you. beast in the sack vibes. I'm just saying. Uh. <laughs> That's how I catfish people. <laughs> Because one, you have the best set of like head of hair in the game. Thank you. Great hair in the game, always. The best um, secondhand store finds. No one finds gems at thrift stores better than Renee, and uh, gives off real beast in the sack vibes. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, good hair like a grandma. Thrift store finds like a grandma. I'm like a grandma. What can I? And I, grandmas are probably beasts in the sack. One hundo, because they know what they want and they don't want, and they will not suffer fools, and they will only let men in their bed that they have like <laughs> reached a certain threshold with. So yeah, get it, Renee. Now tell me, <laughs> what the fuck did you read this week? Because what I love so much about this show is I try, I try to find freaky shit, but I think it's because you have a Kindle, which gives you way more access to freaky shit. Because yeah. week after week, you find things that I'm like, there's no way this existed. And you're like, yes, girl, it did. So tell me. It's Irish week. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck do you have for us? So before I get into it, I want to preface with, um, I pay a monthly subscription for all of the gems that I get. <laughs> it's called Kindle Unlimited. Kobo has a version of it. But it, it's not as disgusting on Kobo. It's just not. Kobo is too classy. Oh, the yeah. Kindle at Kobo, not. we keep it classy. Kindle... We're talking deep, deep recesses of the internet. Yeah. Now, they have such a wide variety of Kindle Unlimited options that I put the Kindle app on my daughter's uh, tablet so she could read some of the graphic novels and different, you know, little kid books on there. What I did not realize <laughs> was that all of my options would also be there as well. Oh, my. And I had to say, please, please don't read those. But I had to, I usually go through the catalog and just like add the, all the free ones that are for the week's uh, theme to my library so that I can pick the one that I want. One of them that I picked was called The Leprechaun Who Loves Oral Sex. My daughter also saw that book in our library 
uh, hasn't asked me about it, but it's not the one I read for this week. No, no. This week I read a little number called Shillelagh Shenanigans, <laughs> an erotic leprechaun tale with brand new meaning of morning wood. And <laughs> okay, you're going to have to fucking say that. There's no way that's what that's called. Say it again. It is <clears throat> Shillelagh Shenanigans. <laughs> and er- <laughs> let me finish. An erotic leprechaun tale. With a brand new meaning of morning wood. Oh, and sweet Jesus. it's by an author called Abby Normal, which gave me big young Frankenstein vibes. Um, and wow, my daughter's going to see this. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Um, oh my God. So my book was real short. I don't even know how many pages it was because it doesn't say. It, it's like it took me like five minutes to read this book. It's a story about a woman named Siobhan who is running for her life through the forest. Now, Siobhan is a strong woman. She's a boobalicious woman. She's got sturdy legs from all her work on the potato farm. And she's running away from a leprechaun, Julie, because she has stolen gold from Patty the leprechaun. And Patty is gonna get her. So... Siobhan's running. She's running through the, the Irish, the Irish woods, and she trips and falls, and Patty catches up with her. And Patty's like, You're not gonna get far with my gold. And he whips out his fucking shillelagh. And do you know what a shillelagh is, Julie? You must. You're from the it's descendant an of Irish. Isn't it? It's a giant fucking stick. Oh it's a, like a shepherd's pretty- staff? Yeah, that's what I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. I'm confident that's what it is. It's just a big knobbly <laughs> stick. Oh, no. You could use it as a weapon. You could use it as a weapon. It's a shillelagh. Um, his dick is a shillelagh. Oh! His, his dick is a big, fat fucking shillelagh. And so he's like, you got to pay for the gold, Siobhan! And so, actually, he never learns her name. That's made clear in the book. But he he has her um give her give his shillelagh oral sex. And then she's like, it wasn't bad. I didn't hate it. And then um, she passes out. The next day she wakes up and she's barefooted and is chained in a little cottage. And she's hearing some like Irish ditty being hummed by who else but Patty the Leprechaun. And she's like, no, Patty, I can't be here. You have to let me go. And he's like, nay, you belong to me now. And I'm going to do what I want. And she's like, oh, no. But she's really into it. and so. Um, he whips out a shillelagh again. They bang it out. She's like, I love it. It feels so great to have your shillelagh inside of me. Um, and then she falls asleep. And then the next day, she looks over and Patty is cobbling. He's cobbling some shoes because leprechauns are also like elven folk, right? And uh, they're good cobblers. Everybody knows that, Julie. I mean, so as, as a huge, as someone of Irish descent and a huge shoe lover of course yeah yeah and i don't know if you knew this i don't know if it's about leprechauns in general i don't know if it's generalizing but patty the leprechaun has a thing for feet and he is just tickled by siobhan's sweet little piggies and they're like like baby skin even though even though she's a hard worker on her potato farm um they look like they're uncalloused. They're perfect little baby feet. And so Patty cannot resist making her a pair of gorgeous shoes. And so he's like, go on, Siobhan, put your shoes on. Let me see them. 
and as he as she's doing that he's like they've got like really big heels so i thought of you um because if you were gonna wear shoes from a leprechaun they'd have to be real high right Bob's. <clears throat> um and then he's like oh let me help you with your shoes savan and then he like rubbing her feet and like licking her little piggies and he's like yum, 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 these are so great and she's like stop it patty i love it um and then they fuck again um and they just keep fucking and then um he bends her over his giant pot of gold and they continue to bang now here's where things got a little interesting i don't know um his shillelagh turns into a penis but then after he comes it turns back into a shillelagh and the shillelaghs typically have like a big knot on the end so patty the leprechaun knots siobhan which means that she they are now mates so it had a little it had a little like shifter feel to it um and siobhan's like spent right they're both like i can't believe i met this person who could finally satisfy my sexual desires and then um she she collapses off the pot of gold and he's like that'll do pig he didn't say that but i just <laughs> felt like it was appropriate and then he leaves her a little a little box of jewelry and in it is one of those like how does it pronounce kalada kalada those rings with the hands and the heart oh yeah i can ooh, i can never say that one kalada kalada <laughs> a ring a ring you can get at the dollar store he leaves her a beautiful one and she puts it on her right hand in the whatever way it means that like he has her heart. Aww. Now this book should also have been called Shalele Shenanigans, an erotic tale of a short king, because that's you really know. what he was. He was, he made her bigger shoes. <laughs> he was worshiping her feet. Oh, like hundred percent short king. So um, it had every single like, I ra- like Lucky Charms, Pot of Gold, Keg of Beer, like all of it. Um, it was it was delightful. I mean, I was worried it was gonna be extremely rapey. Yeah, I was gonna I mean, say it was, it was like woof. Yeah, yeah. it kind of opened rapey, but then she's like, "It was." Siobhan was so surprised to see that she loved it, and I was like, "All right, you know what? She's never been satisfied sexually on her potato farm, so it took a leprechaun to do a farmer's job." Uh, <laughs> um, it wasn't. It was okay. Was it spicy? I mean, the- like uh, where yeah. would, where would you yeah. put it on the spicy scale? Um, just like five out of five good russet potatoes. Okay, like yeah, it was all right. Got the job done, but wasn't too wasn't that memorable. No, like I'll I the most memorable thing about this story was that his dick was a shillelagh. <laughs> that's that's what it was. That's that's where we're at. I think okay, maybe I'm totally wrong. I'm gonna try and remember how what i know of a shillelagh because you know how, like Ire- ireland couldn't have weapons right sure because like the the english wouldn't give them weapons they weren't allowed to have weapons so they would use like sticks and shit <laughs> and the shillelagh is like a big club sure anyway, i don't know i mean maybe, i don't know I, maybe i'm remembering that wrong no but don't, that, that sounds don't come for me that sounds legit that sounds legit now yeah. i'm just wanting to know then what is the obvious sex toy that goes with this story Oh, shillelagh, Julie. No, um, <laughs> obviously, no. I googled um, Irish sex toys, and apparently, there's this humongous um, antique dildo oh. that was up for auction in Ireland, um, and um, 
it was donated to an Irish museum, but it's fucking humongous. Like it is humongous. It's made out of ivory. It's literally like the size of an elephant's tusk. It's got like a little knob on the end. Also, I'm going to take, I want to take this moment to just say this. Y'all don't need to come for me anymore with tagging us in things that talk about um, things that go in your ass needing to have like a thing to keep it from going all the way in the ass. I learned my lesson. <laughs> Are people I know. at you because you, you were like, oh. I didn't realize you needed a flared base. Oh my God. Our, our producer, Joshua, especially like constantly like, <laughs> look, and I'm like, I fucking get it. I get it. <laughs> Noted. Right? I get it. So um, here's what, this is what it says. It says the Victorian era sex toy was sent from an Irish soldier fighting in China to his wife in Ireland as a gift. And what a thoughtful gift it was. Oh my God. 100%. It's humongous. Um, I'll tell you one yeah. thing. I'll tell you a personal story. You want to hear a personal story? Please, please. An ex of mine who was literally at war sent me a sex toy in the mail. So this, this, these oh. people, and he was a ginger. <laughs> he was a ginger. So this, it, it can happen, ladies. Sure. It happened to me when I was 18 years old. A man was away, Beautiful. literally in Bosnia, away tour, away and tour in Bosnia, and he sent me a magic bullet in the mail, and not the blender, and it, <laughs> and it was delightful. Yeah, so there you go, there you go. Bless. What are you going to read for us this week? So I'm going to read a few different passages, just because um, they're all sex scenes, Julie, but they're all great. So I'm just going to read a few of them. <clears throat> are you ready? I am. I swear to will ever be. Alright. In her 27 years, Siobhan had never had a man who had come close to satisfying her until today. <laughs> Each stroke felt like a dance of purest passion caressing the deepest, darkest parts of her soul. His gnarled shillelagh pounded deeper and deeper into her. She felt the energy building up in her. Her whole body tensed up in anticipation. Harder, she screamed at the top of her lungs. And the leprechaun does just that. The short, stout man pulsates with every fiber of his being, completely lost in passion and pleasure. With one final thrust, they climax in unison. Paddy unleashes all of his lucky charms deep into the cavern of Siobhan as Siobhan feels her whole body shiver. Beautiful, right? Ooh. I know. <laughs> um, Siobhan knows that she's going to regret this later, but she is so pumped full of endorphins that she does not care. Paddy begins to gyrate his hips against Siobhan's buttocks and his breathing quickens in unison with Siobhan's. They both feel a massive, vibrant radio rainbows building within them as the sound of the clinkering of the golden coin rises. Some of the coins spill out from their eager endeavor. This only fuels Paddy's passion even further. The spilling of his glistening loot causes his penetrator to shift into a more gnarled form while it's still deep inside Javon. This causes her to unleash screams of both agony and ecstasy, which echo throughout the room. The knotted shillelagh, which is now inside of her, causes her strong legs, which were already straining from the glimmering high-heeled shoes, to buckle. Um, and then, yeah, he just keeps plunging his shillelagh into her and... They are now knotted and naughty. forever. I will. It's a little naughty. <laughs> on the co in just in the context of short kings, I just want to give props to a Twitter account called BB underscore Apes, named <laughs> cilantro bb ninety five at aol.com. 
um, clearly a meme account, but this particular account tweeted the other day, I love a short man, like, yes, take up less space on earth, you feminist king. (laughs) 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 And that's, as a lover of short kings, I now will think of that forever. So I, that's, that's (laughs) what I'm thinking of in this particular story of yours. Um, I'm going to end us with something a little more chaste. (laughs) If you, if you're okay. If you must. Only because, um, I just think it's very sweet. So, um, so Stephen Shaughnessy. He um he has a column. It's an advice column, and he yeah he does. I, of course he does. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> and he have you read my column? Have you read? You would you like to? to stroke my column? Um, and he makes it very clear in a couple times that it comes up that he's like, I basically say the same things that women do, but I get props for it and they don't. So you're like feminist king, like fucking let me suck your <laughs> column. Like I can't. Um, and so, <laughs> and so um, his, okay. So Rose has just had is like admitted to her sister that she's got this like crush on him and there's a little bit of flirtation and she's trying to resist it. And her sister is like, girl, be careful. Like that dude is a player. Like, you know, he's a player. And she's like, I know, but like, that's what I keep hearing. But like, he doesn't have that vibe to him. He seems really respectful. And so her sister, Patricia, shows her that week's column and thinks this is a, like a dunk on him of like, see, see, look at the way he talks. So, Rose had read a good number of Mr. Shaughnessy's columns. She had an idea of the sort of things he wrote. She doubted anything he could write would shock her. And if Patricia only knew the sorts of things he was saying to her face, she'd know that she would need a more powerful arsenal than a few lines in the newspaper. Still, Rose dutifully picked up the paper. Dear man, she read, I am sorry to say that I have spent the last five years in a madhouse. My uncle and guardian had put me in there when I refused to marry my cousin. I passed my time in that horrible place by making a list of all the things I would do if I were ever released. Now he is dead and I am free, but I find I cannot bring myself to do even one of them. How does one go about setting oneself free? Signed, not mad. Rose swallowed hard and read on. Dear not mad. I can't even do an Irish accent. I can't even do it. I can't even. I I, I literally can't even wrap my head around it. Normally. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's like the Swedish chef. You know, I can can literally only do like, normally I'd approach my columns with a certain amount of jocularity. Never tell this to my readers. They would never believe it. But your situation has moved me to seriousness, not mad. You must work yourself up to your desires, bit by bit. Before you can dance on your uncle's grave, which I assume this is on your list, you must first visit it and stand upon the grass. On the next visit, be sure to tap your toe and hum a ditty. Before you know it, you'll be waltzing in the cemetery. Should you need a dancing partner, consider yours truly. Sincerely, Stephen Shaughnessy, actual man. You see, Patricia said, oh, they're British. You see, Patricia said, he's flirting publicly with another woman. That's the sort of man he is. Just keep that in mind the next time you encounter him. She nodded as if she had proven a point. Rose shook her head. It wasn't flirting. No more than the time he'd done the actual man thing to Mrs. Barnstable had been flirting. It was kind of him, in a sweet, outrageous sort of way. It hurt to read it, not because she thought him unfaithful, but because she could hear him in all of him. 
I don't have hidden shallows, he told her. Maybe he didn't. She suspected that if she judged him by his column, she would see. A man who offered to dance with a woman who had been badly wounded. A man who mocked other men when they made too much of their own importance. A man who wished to make others laugh, even when they suffered. She had never looked at him and seen a bad man, and the more she looked, the deeper she fell. That, perhaps, made him the most dangerous specimen of all. He liked people. He liked her. She suspected he'd told her the simple truth. He wasn't trying to seduce her. He was just succeeding at it. Ayo! Woo! Woo! Right? So her sister's like, look at this guy inviting this woman out to something. And then her being like, no, this woman was locked in her fucking house. And he's telling her (laughs) to like, just take it step by step. Take it slow. There's no rush. Huh. Huh. This fucking guy. This beautiful short Mm. king. I don't know if he is short, but every time I think of the Irish, I think of (laughs) short men and I'm here for it. Give me a little fucking chaos goblin. I can't get enough. Cannot get enough. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that was Talk Sweetly to Me by Courtney Milan. This was Um, our Irish week. Always a winner. Honestly, not once have I been disappointed in her books. Not a one time. Oh, bless. So, uh, Renee. Yeah. What are we, what are we bringing the kids next week? I mean, it's just been like two weeks of awesome for you, Julie, because I'm pretty sure we're doing historical. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yes, I'm going to get are. something ridiculous. You know what? I'm going to historical for me is good. It could be anything and it's going to be anything, <laughs> anything in the past. It could be cavemen. Oh. It could be it could be a Highlander. It could oh. be. Oh, God, it could be anything. Great. I'm going to going to get something good. Something you we've never seen before on this show. Oh, That's, I'm yeah. excited. I'm very excited. I know we can't just always have, you know, queers with big, those like big giant collar bow tie things. <laughs> and we can't always have women in ball gowns, Julie. But you why not? <laughs> I know it's your favorite. I know. I know. And you know what? No shame. But I, I'm, I'm going to bring it. Okay. I'm going to bring something disgusting. Okay. I'm prepared. Uh, unsurprisingly, I'm not. Um, <laughs> but I'm here for you. I'm here for you and your filth. And I'm glad that our listeners are here week after week for our filth as well. Thank you so much for listening to us. Um, I, I am dying to see the cover of your book this week. So this is my um, shout out to our listeners to follow us on Instagram and Twitter because you will see the covers of our books. And I just... I don't even want you to describe it to me. I just want you to post it on Instagram and I want to be blown away. Is it as hot messy as I'm picturing? I'm going to tell you right now, Julie, I don't know what it looks like off the top oh. of my head. <laughs> when, you, when you get a Kindle book, when you go to open it, it immediately throws you right into the story. So you have to go backwards. Oh. Let me let me do that. No, you know what? There's nothing. No, it's peaceful. Okay. It looks like one of those, like, um, you know those cassette tapes you could get in the 90s where it was like just nice music oh yeah that's what it looks like okay that's what it looks like and that's what if it was just like shenanigans you'd be like oh that could be fun it could be a children's story but underneath it says an erotic leprechaun tale with a brand new meaning of morning wood you're like oh that's not what i think it is but without that you wouldn't know okay also i want to make a confession I was about to make a sail away sail away reference but i just realized she's british yeah and I'm thinking, am I confusing her with Sinead O'Connor? <laughs> it's 
is Enya British? I think she is. I think she's Welsh. Oh, that tracks. Okay. Let's find out. Um, I'm right here at the computer. Tell me. I, I mean, obviously, Sinead is Irish, hence why she hates the Pope. Oh, Enya. Her name is Irish. She's an Irish singer. Ayo! Really? I fucking... Th- wow. I, I had a whole thing for Irish singers in the 90s. 100%. I was all about Enya, Sinead O'Connor, and then the Canadian equivalent, some Ashley McIsaac. Remember that? <laughs> um, what was that song by Ashley McIsaac that was like everywhere? Oh, it was just a violin? I don't know. You don't, remember the, you don't remember the Ashley McIsaac song? If I heard it, oh my god, I wasn't I wasn't deep into it. You know who I was into in the nineties, Julie? What? Lorena McKennett. That's who I was. <laughs> I was gonna say, um, who are the, who's that family? The Canadians were all about that family too. The Rankins. Oh, the, Rankins? the Rankins. No, you know what though? I <laughs> this is so bad. Um, I loved Air Force. Oh, Lorena, a hundo. Hun- and Lula. Lula did a fucking. Oh my god. What's her name? Mary Reba? Walsh? No, no. Uh who's the Rankin? Who's the the main one? <laughs> They're all just Rankins to me. I don't know. The, the the big beautiful lady. Oh, Rita McNeil? Yeah, sorry, Rita McNeil. That's not a Rankin. <laughs> She's not a Rankin at all. Figure it out, but but they did they did <laughs> they did a lot of uh they did a lot of Rankin jokes on that. 100%. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm thinking, uh, ooh, I am thinking of Rita McNeil. I'll tell you two things. One, because it was bothering me, that Ashley McIsaac song was called Sleepy Maggie, and it was from 1995. And there was also The Devil in the Kitchen, which is a banger of a song. Two, my grandmother, Nana, shout out to Nana, huge, <laughs> huge fan of Rita McNeil. She actually Believe gave it. me a framed picture of her and Rita McNeil, which I still have. Also, did you know that Rita McNeil was under surveillance by the RCMP in the 70s and 80s because of her feminist activism? Oh, I love that. Right? Everyone just thinks of her as like the, like, she was like a fat woman who sang East Coast songs and had like a cleft lip and like was, has an incredible fucking voice. Yeah, she was literally under surveillance by the RCMP and I believe CSIS because of her feminist organizing. Yeah, she was a baddie and I fucking love it. And yeah, shout out to Rita McNeil who is separate from the Rankins, who is separate from Ashley (laughs) McIsaac, but yet and (laughs) the Great Big C, but there's just sort of like an East Coast blend. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's an East Coast blend. It's fine. I mean, I had a phase in the 90s where, like I said, I was obsessed with Irish music obsessed with river dance like i watched that cassette tape 500 times i know the whole thing by heart you know what i i don't even know why but what i i know who ashley mcisaac is okay Mm -hmm. but i want i want to propose that the american equivalent is jamiroquai (laughs) he's british i don't give a shit i don't give a shit the american equivalent is jamiroquai okay I will stand on that hill. <laughs> um, you know what? And I, I now that I'm thinking about it, because I one respect the fuck out of Reed McNeil. I respect that fuck out of any woman that can make it as a singer songwriter in Canada. Hundred percent. Um, oh, Jen Arden, I love you so much. Oh, um, but you know, you're right. That now I'm realizing that I watched so much Air Force, but all they ever did was drag Rita for how fat she was, mm-hmm. and it still makes me laugh to this day. Though, and I hate that I'm a fat person. Okay. <laughs> 
But remember when remember when Alanis Morissette came out with thank you? Yeah. <laughs> and she did the video like naked. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Lula on Air Farce did one where she was Rena McNeil. <laughs> she was naked. <laughs> oh my god. She was just wearing like a big sheet and her thing was like Thank you, Bagels. Thank you, Tim Hortons. Thank you. Thank you, Pepsi. Like, it was that stuff. And it was so bad, but I remember it to this day. (laughs) Rita, you know what? Rita would probably laugh at that. Rita was was cool. Rita was the shit. Like, according to my Nana, who, like I said, obviously met her because there's a picture together. And she's, like, very funny and, like, yeah, was super feminist, super political. Like, Anne-Marie wishes, okay? Oh. 100%. 100%. Yeah. So shout out to the, the, shout out to the diversity of Irish Canadians that we just pulled. <laughs> We're like, do you mean this person? No, that person. I also. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, I, like, I don't even think I grew up with a knowledge that my family was like that Irish. I just had a thing in the 90s but i think there was like a like a time in the mid to late 90s where it was like you know how and then in like the late 90s there was like uh like a latin music explosion and there was like all like ricky martin and j-lo and stuff but there was a time shakira Shakira. oh yeah 100 but there was a brief window (laughs) like enrique iglesias all that shit but there was a brief window between like 1995 (laughs) and 1997 and i was thriving did you ever do like irish dancing like did you curl your hair real tight i wanted to i literally would have done river dance type shit irish dancing like in a in a heartbeat but it wasn't available in the tiny community of sturgeon falls where i lived which is why mm. i just did ballet but 100 percent would have sold my barbie collection to be able to be as cool as those chicks on river dance like i had a river dance oh vhs God. tape that I got for my birthday and I watched it like over and over and over again. Oh, I was obsessed. I was obsessed. And then yeah, Ashton McIsaac with his like with his like sleepy Maggie situation. Obsessed. <laughs> my parents love the Rankins. We went on a road trip to the East Coast in 1997. And at the time that was Great Big C's like first big album came out or like their album that got really big. And so like when I'm up, I can't get down. Like know that entire album by heart. Like twas a time. Twas a time. It's my ancestors coming through me. Um, so uh, and the last note that I will say, and I'm sure we've said this before on the show, but I will fucking die on this hill. And you I know you have my back on this. Best mashup I've ever heard in my entire life is <laughs> Orinoco in the heart. It is a fucking mashup of Enya and Groovers in the heart. And it is, I mean, it's, it's perfect. 10 out of 10. No notes. It's a perfect mashup. And I described it to Renee and Renee was like, fuck off. And then I played it for her on a road trip and she was like, she remembers the date and time it changed her life. So, um, it's in my calendar. <laughs> May we all live to be Enya, who now lives alone in a castle with her money and her cats and doesn't give a shit about anyone. And if you don't want to do that, may you have an Irish lover, like one of the ones from our books this week, which will satisfy you with I mean, their words or their you, staff. You just got to steal some gold from a <laughs> leprechaun. I got an ass like a pot of gold. Ayo! <laughs> <laughs> are we are we gonna start writing rap songs? Tell me. We, yes. we, <laughs> not me. 
Not me. I will choreograph them and I will do some Irish dancing in the background, but I'm not going <laughs> yes. to put any fucking verses anytime soon. Like, sweet Jesus. We could write one called Shillelagh Shenanigans. <laughs> oh my God. I want to start an Irish pub called Shillelagh Shenanigans and then we could have our own show called It's Always Sunny in Ottawa and it'll just be us <laughs> at our Irish pub because Ottawa uh, only has like 800 fucking Irish pubs. Um, we could start our own and I, you could be the sweet D to my chaotic ga- goblin that is Charlie. <laughs> Why would you be Charlie? Because Charlie's fucking zany and weird. You're not zany. <laughs> I don't know. I, of the two of us, I'm the Charlie Day. <laughs> you, I know, but I feel like I felt like being generous and giving you D because obviously D is who we want to be. But we gotta, I gotta lower my expectations. I can't be sweet, Julie. D. Julie, you're the dentist. <laughs> oh, am I that vain? Oh no. I'm Charlie Day. I'm Charlie on a good day, but Frank Reynolds every other day. <laughs> I'll be Mac when he's still questioning his sexuality. Um, be Mac when he's still chonky. <laughs> I love chonky Mac. Uh, an angel. An uh, angel. I'll be Big Mac. You could be Charlie. And okay, we'll start our own probably. Irish pub called Shillelagh Shenanigans. shenanigans. <laughs> Wow. Well, that's a great note to end on. Thank you so much for joining us this week on our journey of chaos and mayhem. Join us next week. (laughs) I want your disabled cat to be rickety cricket. Oh my god! Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We are hitting people with some deep cuts from It's Always Sunny. If you don't watch the show, I'm not sorry. Get on it. It is a fucking perfect show. And yes, my disabled (laughs) toothless (laughs) indigestion like just <laughs> riddled with anxiety mangy cat who stopped cleaning herself so i have to cut mats out of her all the time Th- she will be the rickety crickets of our crowd <laughs> yeah oh fuck i'm crying last fun fact last fun fact <sighs> yes. did you know that charlie's mom was missy vaughn from peewee's playhouse no the woman who plays his mom or his yeah, actual missy- mom no his mom on the show oh my god his like fucking cigarette chain smoking mom oh no, that's max mom that's max mom oh that's We're talking charlie's mom oh charlie's sweet sweet mom yeah it's missy vaughn oh my god as and if. we're big peewee fans in my house oh so. i love i did not know that that's so delightful thank you now everybody knows thank okay you. okay i'm done with my fun facts dennis do you want to sing this out <laughs> sure will charlie <clears throat> Ravage love Ravage love Bye Bye Artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance For gaming and tech news search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS the number 2 J show Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Ravage Love.